0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. 99.9% of your life will be spent on the journey, on the day-to-day, on the habits. And only 0.1% will be spent in achieving and celebrating your goals. So I think what we all need to optimize more for is how can we make the most out of that 99.9% and enjoy it and make the most out of it.
1: Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Moran Hobert. Moran is an expert on using acquisitions to grow a business. In this episode, he shares several strategies that might allow you to grow your business faster with less risk and less cost. Here's some things that we talk about. The benefits of buying an existing business instead of setting up your own. What are three ways to get access to financing? How to position yourself as a business buyer? And finally, the potential for business acquisitions right now. Now, this is a very unique topic that often is glossed over by entrepreneurs, but it's a tool that can help you scale faster and is definitely worth the listen. Let's start the show now. Hey, Moran, great to have you on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Today, we're going to be talking about acquisitions. That's your world. Before I get into that, I'd love to just talk about, like, tell me a little bit about what got you into the world of acquisitions and a little bit about yourself.
0: So, I've been in different businesses over the last 15 years now. I mean, I started my first business selling flowers in the street when I was like 16, 17 years old. That business got me to realize that I didn't really have a business. I just had a job inside of a business that I ran because then I had, I went to the military for a few years. So during that time, that business basically collapsed, didn't make money. I since had a few different things. like I started selling stuff on the local market and like buying stuff on the local market and selling on eBay. But then the first thing that made me really good money was buying and selling domains. I'm um, talking like, wow, it's getting older, but almost 15 years ago, which led me to then when I bought and sold domain, while trying to sell the domain, I also built content on those domains so i'm talking back in the day it's it's crazy like you could rank websites on google like i was able to rank websites with like it's it's almost i'm almost embarrassed to say but i was uh, using freelancers from the philippines to write articles for like a few bucks an article having five articles on a website and within like five articles um, i was able to rank in pretty good keywords so i think at my peak i had more than 100 websites tons of freelancers holding those domains when I can, selling them when I can. And that led me accidentally to basically do my first deal. It was uh, an app company uh, that I bought. And um, that kind of like opened my eyes to acquisitions. One of those apps became the top 100 app in the app store in more than 100 countries. That was kind of like a cool thing back then. Yeah. And I'm talking about, it's, it's almost crazy. Like if I had... Obviously, everyone's saying that, right? Like if I had the same mindset today, 15 years ago, I could do things so much differently. But I just didn't even realize how much of an impact, like I just didn't realize what I have. Like, Take me back right now, I would build a brand around it. I'll, you know, just put so much effort back. now. I just wanted to make money. And I was lucky to be able to uh, play with the algorithm of the uh, SEO of the app and whatnot. Anyway, that's led me to, to more acquisitions later. And now I'm running acquisitions.com which I can talk about for ages as
1: well. Yeah. So I've got so many questions for you to unpack in that that few paragraphs you just shared. So first I want to get to the big thing, you know, the the flower business, you really something that resonated with me. You talked about you had a high paying job and I feel like uh, or just a job, I don't know if it's high paying, you said, but a lot of times business owners, what they fall into this trap of just having a high paying job. They they feel good about having a business, but they're tied to it. Let's talk about that a little bit, because I think you have some wisdom there. How do you get out of that? Like, hey, I've just got a high paying job.
0: It's not easy. I think there's a reason that like, say 95% of businesses never go above 1 million in revenues. Obviously, most of them fail. Yeah. The rest of them fail after five years. And most businesses break. So there's few reasons for businesses to break, right? It's either that there's no demand for the product or service. People just don't want it. So assuming the product and service is the best in the world, you need to be good at marketing and sales. So that's kind of like the first break point. And then the biggest challenge um, that I see, at least with businesses that we look at, is I would call it people or leadership. So after what you're doing works, then it's not about what you're doing anymore. It's more about how you do it, who you do it with, how you replicate yourself, basically. So, um, And then, obviously, when you replicate, another mistake that I see is people are not able to replicate what they do with their team members. So they're losing margins and then they need to take a few steps back. They need to fire people. So it comes down to making sure all those steps are are there. Like you're, you're making sure everything is as best as you can in each of those steps, which allows you to create... With profitability to allow you to break through those breakpoints.
1: Okay. So that was the first thing that jumped out at me. Now, I know you you talked about the app company and building mm-hmm. it into a million-dollar revenue app that people were buying. I think you also had to kind of hit a wall there too at some point, didn't you? Isn't that the one where all of a sudden your your world changed in the matter yeah. of a day? Can you share that story? Because I think that's what I found What I in researching you before you answer that. Yeah. You know, you use the word you were lucky or something along that effect. I chuckle a little bit because it sounds like you're also really, you don't let things stop you. Like you mm. find something maybe that works, but the app story, once you share it, could have easily stopped you. And then clearly it didn't. So can you share that story?
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely devastated me back back in the day. And I, I can talk to you about a few other devastating moment that, moments that I had in business, also with the uh, websites and other companies that I had that lost a, a chunk of money, but with, with the app company, yeah, so it was top 100 app in the app store, in the uh, books categories, I think it was books, uh, like, yeah, next to Kindle and uh, Audible, like we were top three. So we were basically doing tips for iPhone, just do, giving productivity tips. So we had a free app with ads and then an upsell, uh, kind of like a, an ad without uh, an app without ads. So one day, Apple just came to us and said, so you can't upload anymore uh, this app because then I realized they came up with their own version. They have and right now when you when you buy your iPhone, you have uh their own how you call it like in-house app of basically showing you how to use um, your iPhone. So that's pretty much what we did. Yeah, definitely was devastating back then. But I was just, I think I'm so I'm a person that I think just can't work for someone else. I was just like, okay, I don't have any other options. I, I just I just gotta figure things out. Yeah. So that's probably one of the reasons.
1: Yeah. Do you literally like though? I mean, one day you're kind of riding high, and then the next day you're essentially almost out of business. I mean, that's that's a pretty extreme. Like, did you feel like, hey, I can get around this, or did you know literally the day after that happened, like, I got to find something else?
0: Yeah. So I already had like one or even two businesses back then alongside this one. So and obviously that app company uh, made me money. So I wasn't really like in a like financially, I could be fine. It's more about mentally, I think that you're devastated. It's kind of like the first time that uh, you hear about passive income. You think, okay, as soon as I get to X, then I won't need to do anything. And then you realize passive is not really passive 100% and you actually need to do something. So I think back then I just thought, okay, I'm good. I'm set for life. This thing's going to make me a few million a year. And I'll just uh, continue and travel and uh, party and do whatever I want. But I think that's, yeah, that's part of life. That's life sometimes when you you think you're, or something, uh, it, it slaps you in the face and humbles
1: you. Yeah. So I want to talk about acquisitions a little bit. Let's say you're a business owner and maybe you're doing, I don't know, three to ten million dollars a year in revenue and you want to grow, you want to scale your business. Now, organically, obviously, is one good way. I think in your world, would you say, hey, why not acquire some other companies to shorten that cycle and make it happen faster? Is that is that safe to say? And if so, what would be some steps if someone wanted to go down that route?
0: Yeah, 100%. So I'm biased, right? But I mean, first of all, like I said, most startups fail. So it's just a logical, um, I think, reason to go and try and buy a business that already have revenues, employees, systems, processes, products, uh, happy clients, uh, team members that are used to work together, So from a perspective of a business owner, the idea of growing is just asking yourself, like, how long would that take you? Right now, we're looking at marketing agencies. For example, I had a call with like four agencies earlier today. So it's very very clear in their sector that, for example, if you have a marketing agency that focused on doing, let's say, Google AdWords, and you're doing a few million a year doing Google AdWords, yes, you can build in-house a different department, let's say, doing social media. But... probably take you the same amount of time and money to just go and buy an agency that their expertise is doing social media. Because think about how long it will take you to hire, to train, to retain new people, to figure out what's the best service, pricing model, uh, retention strategies. So many things that with the same amount of money it will take you to go and hire a lot of people or advisors and whatnot, you could just use it as a down payment for a new acquisition that... That's assuming you're using debt, And and I'm sorry if I'm um, getting too much into the details here, but you can basically put put just a few thousand, guess, depends on the size of the deal, but you put in a small percentage towards the deal that is already proven. And you immediately double the size of your business like in an afternoon.
1: Right. Okay. So this opens up once again a lot of questions. So the first question would be aside from the financing part, which I want to talk about, but my first thought is, well, how do you get your small business, you know, acquire, let's say, another small business? There's that whole integration aspect, you know, the people, Mm -hmm. the systems. What's the work? How do you do that? Like, how do you get around so that the people can coexist and it's a good, you know, yeah, you're smiling, so I think you know where I'm going with this. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, very good question, right? So there, there's two ways to look at it, and you even nowadays see big public companies um, go through those two paths. So one of them is just basically let them run separately and don't really interrupt, just support them if needed. Uh, maybe create opportunities for for them to do some basically like joint ventures with you as the... So again, back to the agency model, right? Assuming that you're the main agency and you're, let's say, doing 10 million in revenues and you're buying another agency doing 3 million in revenues, that would be a different conversation than a deal that, let's say, my agency is doing 10 million and I'm buying an agency doing 30 million. Like the integration process might be very different because I might actually want to integrate toward their processes and systems versus other way around.
1: They're the dominant one, right? Yeah.
0: So, and, and that's what we call like a platform company, like the, the company that already built systems and processes and the right profit models and whatnot. So, so just to simplify things as simple as possible for now, two ways. One of them is you let everyone run separately and you just have a kind of like a hold call consolidated PL, and and you let everyone run separately. Each of them can still keep their brand and just run as is. And literally just the brand name on the top is whatever they decide. It can just be a random one, two, three holding company, or it can be an actual name that they then represent to others. That's one way. The other way is let's buy companies and like annihilate them, do whatever we want, try. It. And I've seen a lot of those things happen as well, especially in the private equity space. I see that. And there's also a lot of challenges there, obviously, because different people, different cultures, different processes, uh, different locations, different systems, technology, a lot of things can uh, be challenging here. And that's why when there are such deep integrations, like usually for those to work really well, it's a process, this person can take years. Like, look look at some of the biggest acquisitions now, They're like Facebook bought uh, Instagram and WhatsApp. WhatsApp is still, as far as I See operates completely separately as like no one touched them. At the same time, if you look at Instagram, yes, they still operate kind of like on their own, but they're already been doing some integration. So Facebook is using their own Facebook ad platform to advertise on Instagram and, and etc. So it really depends. I'll just add another uh, example. Like Salesforce just bought Slack, also, no real integration when it comes to the day-to-day product use. So yeah. It's really real. And I'll just add one last story. I would just say, I just had a call a few days ago with an executive of a very large technology firm. And they basically told me that everything is in a mess inside their company. They're worth a few billion dollars. And the only reason they're worth so much is just because they bought tons of companies, but everyone is operating separately. And they're just overall, they look like they're growing and they're happy and successful.
1: Wow. And but yet they're not necessarily very, they don't necessarily have it all on the same page.
0: No one, no one have it. And and anyone, anyone who wow. acts like he does, I think. I mean, the biggest businesses in the world are in a mess. Everyone, I'm talking every, everyone. I talk to a lot of employees and and, and key executives and some sort of like super like unicorn firms out there. And everyone is in a mess. But I guess their mess just looking much better uh from the outside.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's get over to the financing side of things. So how do you you had made a comment about putting a down payment and then finding some type of financing. Is this institutional financing? Is this third parties? I mean, what what would someone, if they did want to use acquisitions as a part of their growth strategy, what would be a way to approach that?
0: Yeah, I can talk about that, uh, how long we have, (laughs) but I can talk about it forever. Um, Yeah, I would just say to keep it super simple, there are three ways to get access to financing. It's debt, equity, or the seller to keep things really simple, but in each of those, I can build you like a long tree with tons of like branches, like dozens of ways to get access to debt financing, dozens of ways to get access to equity financing, and tons of ways you can negotiate with the seller on getting equity in the deal. So if you want, I can expand on those. But that's kind of like the the easiest way to look at it. You you combine debt, equity, and the seller.
1: Okay. I think that's good. Just in terms of not getting too complicated, it gives people an idea. Those are the three primary vehicles to consider. Do you see a lot on the seller side where they're willing to take back financing where the seller says, yeah, I'll I'll put my own stake in what you're buying?
0: Yeah. Good question. So I think it really comes down to the education that the seller had before he sold his business. Like, I find out nowadays that if a seller is going through a process with a broker or an investment banker, then they're doing a lot of that work to educate them on the idea that, look, if you're not going to at least do some seller financing on the deal, it's going to be very difficult to close on the deal because the buyer is taking a risk as much as the seller. I mean, so the seller doing some kind of seller financing is basically an opportunity to show that he's like he believes in the business first. And then it, it's de-risking the, the buyer as well on understanding that, yes, I'll pay something up front and I'm taking a risk on that. But I also know that the back-end payment is deferred or is contingent on uh, reaching specific milestones. So it's very common on deals that are for sale. I can tell you, we're talking to a lot of companies that are not for sale. We're basically going direct. And with them, it might be more of an education process of explaining to them, look, I mean, everyone thinks that because they make a million dollars, they're worth. Now it's actually becoming more normal. But like a few months ago, uh, I remember when Clubhouse, uh, that app, that raised, I think, like hundred million dollars I seed round, and people thought that because they're making a million, they're worth a billion. You know, I'm not saying right, right. not everyone, but I think people are not reasonable sometimes because they go and read TechCrunch or whatever the, uh, the latest technology right, updates right. on the latest round. So that could be a challenge. But yeah, it's it's all over the place. But I would say it's. it's it's very common to see in deals that the seller will finance at least some part of the
1: deal. Hey, this is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level. And they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, It grew to 25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I want to help stuck business owners that want to scale, but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in Five roadmap, and you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 55444 and type the word scale and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox.
0: I think people are not reasonable sometimes because they go and read TechCrunch or whatever the, the latest technology updates on the latest round. So that could be a challenge, but yeah, it's it's all over the place. But I would say it's, it's it's very common to see in deals that the seller will finance, at least some part of the deal. Right.
1: So going back to an individual that owned a business their part of their strategy was to act, acquire at least research it how do they find these opportunities you mentioned something about going direct is that good for a business owner to kind of look at who their competitors out there and actually approach them directly is that through a broker is there a better way to find opportunities i mean what's your thought process around that
0: yeah. So, so it's, it's all of the above. Like we're using like, okay. like, like 12 different strategies to reach out to those, just to keep things simple. And again, not to talk about each of those for hours. I would say that whatever strategy works to get new clients for a business would also work to find a potential deal. But instead of you positioning yourself as someone who's looking to sell a service, you're positioning yourself as someone who's looking to invest slash buy the business.
1: Okay, and then in terms of the market right now, do you see is what's the market for in terms of acquiring and selling businesses? Is it a pretty hot market, or what do you see in?
0: I think it's very hot, and it's probably going to get even better, especially because of the uncertainty in the markets. I mean, obviously, COVID definitely escalated things, and people just had challenges or didn't want to deal with those challenges or don't want to deal with my, what the future might bring. And yeah, the markets are in a messy situation right now so that opens a lot of opportunities especially the older people like the baby boomers they don't want to deal with another recession they're like tired so it creates a lot of opportunities especially in the boring businesses that you know those their kids don't want to to buy their plumbing business they want to build the next uh, Tesla right so
1: right right how do you as a buyer though You know, hearing the talk of recession, being concerned about where things potentially could go, not let that kind of like worry you about acquiring a business. I mean, you now obviously have an experience, a lot of experience, so you're probably a little immune to the emotional side of it. But how did you deal with that, or how do you deal with that if you're a buyer and don't have a lot of experience?
0: I think a business is an emotional game in the first place, so it's going to be challenging no matter what. But when it comes to buy a business, at some point you gotta, you know, make the leap and, and make that jump, and and make sure that you look at cash flow, you look at the numbers, you you look at whatever debt service, cash flow to debt service ratios you might have if you're raising debt alongside the, the acquisition. And yeah, it comes down to also, can you build a good plan of um, growing the business? Because if you don't have plans of growing the business, then you might take a risk because you need to cross your fingers that the business will please sustain it, uh, itself. And by definition, the seller knows more about the business than you as the buyer. So you, you're going to, Find surprises and 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 whatnot after you buy the business, and it's part of the process. But I think that it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. You can have, of course, you'll have challenges, and you can have challenges, and you can do bad deals. But like the default rate, for example, on an SBA loan in the US is less than a percent. So your chances are actually, I mean, pretty good. And you're saving years, years of your life by buying a business, just years, years. So I. I mean, don't, don't you think it's worth it? to Even if it's going to take you a year or two to buy one good business, I mean, the same business could take you 10 years together from scratch.
1: Right. Yeah, it really accelerates your plan for sure. Now, in terms of your own acquisition process, do you guys go, when you're thinking about buying a company, do you already have a plan in place of like, hey, this is where I can find more efficiencies. This is where I can grow. Are you going in already with that plan? Or does it kind of evolve after you acquire?
0: So you have some understanding of what you want to do, but then the other day you're only going to figure out the exact details, like at least, either due to, during due diligence, uh, which is after you get the offer accepted or in the integration process after you bought the business.
1: Have you ever acquired a company and kind of been surprised after the fact about maybe something, I don't want to say you didn't catch it in due diligence, but you didn't anticipate or something, always. you know, just kind of caught you off. Really? Yeah,
0: I think you're, you're always finding out that, oh, I didn't expect this or, oh, I didn't, or or, damn, why they're doing this like this or that like that. And obviously people like you need to deal with people, which is the biggest challenge I think in business. It's, oh, this person, uh, can I handle him? Sometimes locations, like I had a business in in Calgary in Canada. I didn't know it's so cold in Calgary. (laughs) So random things like that or, but yeah, like I said, by definition, the seller knows more about you, about the business. And you can only know so much in few weeks or few months of due diligence, like that person running the business for five, 10 years. So again, trying to, I think, trying to stay humble, understanding you don't know what you don't know is, is a good idea and, and just come in and try to be as optimistic as you can and kind of like hoping for, not hoping for the best, but understanding that as long as you're doing your best, that's the best you can expect from yourself.
1: Right, kind of just roll with the punches yeah. as they come up. Have you ever acquired a company and a couple of months later go, man, I I maybe bought off a little more than I could chew. If I had to do this all over again, I wouldn't have. Have you Have you ever had one go in that direction?
0: Yeah, I bought. <laughs> I mean, I bought a. Here's another uh, actually devastating story. So I bought this business and I became a partner. So I was um, a partner with another one that that was still running day to day. But after um, a while of owning this business, uh, we also had to shut it down because. That business, um, if you want to, to go into the details, we're basically, so in a nutshell, it was basically a business that was making money from, uh, similar to BuzzFeed, if you're familiar with them, they're kind of, like, kind of like a random viral news site. So we're making money from AdSense, from Google AdSense. And at one point, they just banned us with like hundreds of thousands of dollars in there. I mean, that stuff. So yeah, eventually we just decided, hey, you know what, it makes no sense because I knew a few friends in that, like who had similar businesses that told me they tried to sue Google and do I really want to go out there and try to sue Google and spend potentially millions of dollars to anyway. So, yeah, so, so that, that's, that's tough, but, um, you know, that's, uh, part, I think, I think part of being in business.
1: It's part of the game. Yeah, I get it. So, hey, before we wrap up, I want to talk about a little bit of your business. I know you mentioned marketing is one area that you're looking into right now. If there's people out in the audience, what what types of businesses you might you find attractive or you would be interested in evaluating your company?
0: Yeah, so we would look at any sector and we worked in dozens of sectors a few weeks ago Uh, We announced that we're also going to try and roll up the marketing agencies sector. So we don't really have a problem with deal flow. Like we already have like 60 million in EBITDA in our pipeline of just companies we need to look into. So it's not really a problem of of looking for deals. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if anyone wants to reach out, feel free. But for us right now, like my dream. So I'm currently, I'm originally from Israel. I'm currently based in Cyprus. And a good friend of mine, a mentor, is in his 70s. He took like nine companies public. So I really want to see if I can follow his footsteps and uh, potentially even partner with him on a, on a roll-up and just do something similar and see if we can take the company public on Nasdaq. But that, that would be super exciting for me. Uh, but uh,
1: yeah. That's awesome. That's a great goal. So what what would it take for you to take something public? Like how many, is there a certain threshold of revenue or a number of companies you think you'd have to roll up to get to that level?
0: So it depends on which exchange, but I mean, I think that if you... So, Here's the thing. Even if you're a small company, you can go and be a public company in the OTC and the over-the-counter, but right. is it really public? Probably not. To be a public company on Nasdaq, they have their criteria, which is actually not that much, as much as people think. I think you need to have like five or $10 million in your balance sheet and they don't even look at the revenues. So as long as you can raise this, okay, the problem is what happens after that. And can you deliver to the market and the investors? So I think our goal would be to get to at least $10 million in EBITDA before we uh, consider that. And maybe be in the OTC before that just to be prepared and to demonstrate the market that we're serious and we're actually going to do that. And obviously it depends on kind of like the market cycle as well because right now, I don't know if it's that attractive, but I think things might change in the next few months and you might be able to have access to cheap capital and then it might make sense to do things sooner than later. But um, yeah, I think um, we'll let the time decide.
1: Yeah. I imagine the market itself matters too, right? In terms of what you're doing because like, using plumbing as an example, mm. the market isn't going to get super excited about probably a public plumbing company, but I'm sure there's some other, maybe like cannabis, for example, or I don't know, maybe psychedelics 10 years from now will be the next really hot thing. Yeah. That probably plays into it too. Is that fair to say?
0: hundred percent. I mean, yeah, you see companies in some crazy, um, what's the last company? And so doing like... Uh, Oh man, I forgot. They're doing nothing. No, no zero revenues, and their value is like more than a billion. Yeah,
1: it's crazy.
0: And just because they they were able to uh, sell a good story and find investors that were believing that in that story and dream, but it's on them to deliver. Obviously, uh, at the same time, I'm sure their founders um, made some nice chunk of money from that.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, the billion-dollar valuation. You know, unicorns. To your point, I think you said this to start out like unicorns were a big deal. I think what was it, about five years ago, like just by the term itself, unicorn was yeah. like they were very unique. And now that's kind of like just the baseline, I think, almost yeah. for valuation for some of these companies.
0: True, like like we said, like a Clubhouse, which I don't know if it's even alive yet. I mean. Their seed drone, I think, was a billion-dollar value. That's insane. They—they they, they, I don't even think they had a product in the market yet. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. yeah,
1: Clubhouse is still out there, just for the record. I don't know how many people are using it. Yeah. But I, I recently had someone invite me on... They called it a hot seat. Uh-huh. And there were like 10 people in the room. But it, it's apparently still out there. I don't think it's... Their user data must be way down because you don't hear about it too often.
0: Yeah, and Twitter just uh, came up with their own... Uh, mm. Forgot the word rooms or something, and Facebook I know came up with their own version. And building a business is not easy.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, before I wrap up, I got one last question for you. I'd love to know if you have some type of business or life tip you can share with us that you've you know you've kind of learned along the way, uh, in a we can apply.
0: I'd say that let's give you kind of like a business and life tip, understanding that. 99.9% of your life will be spent on the journey, on the day-to-day, on the habits. And only 0.1% will be spent in achieving and celebrating your goals. So I think what we all need to optimize more for is how can we make the most out of that 99.9% and enjoy it and make the most out of it. And uh, let go of that mind that always thinks that like when I reach X, I'll be Y. I think that That's, that's probably something that I'm still trying to work on every day because our ego always thinks, okay, yeah, I'll do this. And then that, and it's, we always think the jackpot is in the door number 1000, but it's the same. We all, we go that we, we, we're trying to go there and then we end up
1: here. Dude, that is such a powerful tip and it is so true. You know, when I sold, when we sold our second company or my com- second company, there's this whole like you, for years, you think about getting to that point of selling it and getting a certain valuation and making it happen. And then it's so anticlimactic when it actually happens. It's like it drags on for three or six months. And then there is obviously a close process, but it's just kind of like your life doesn't, I mean, monetarily, your life changes a little bit, but it's just like an event. It doesn't, it's not nearly as much as you build up for that fraction of a second to happen. It's the shoveling that really gets you there, all those years of the shoveling. Um, That's powerful. That's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Your website is acquisitions.com. I'll put this in the show notes, uh, Tyler.com. Is there any other way you'd like people to reach out to you? I know there's like a ton of fake Instagrams, by the way, of you. So none of the fake Instagrams, but is there yeah. any other way you'd want people to reach out to you or get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, I'm on YouTube. I mean, feel free to email me as well. i not that, uh, this is just my name at acquisitions. If anyone uh, got anything, feel free.
1: Okay, cool. Is it okay if I put your email address in the uh, in the show notes?
0: Yeah, or Twitter as well, Twitter, YouTube, all the like everything.
1: Okay, I'll put that in the show notes too. Cool. Well, hey, it was awesome having you uh, on the show. Love hearing what you're doing, and if you have something big happen, I'd love for you to come back.
0: Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you very
1: much. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Okay. hear the culture.
0: Electric Acid Electric Acid, Electric acid.